Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know that young person who graduated college this past spring and is now getting ready to go get that big job? Well, here, guess what? Get over to Leon Tailoring and check out their career services division. They've got lots of good professional attire, reasonably priced for both your young men and young women who are getting off into that world of work. Hey, they graduated, they did all the interviews, now they got the big job coming up, so make sure they look the part. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, with the year halfway being over, Indianapolis has seen 100 so odd murders. So, what does that mean for the rest of the year? Now, we're on the verge of another record homicide. We're going to talk about that and a few other things. Our good friend, Reverend Charles Harrison, the 10 Point, 10 Point Coalition. So, Reverend Harrison, old friend, always good to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much for being with us. Well, it's always good to be with you, Abdul, and, and particularly when we have a chance to talk about what's going on in our city. Exactly. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, about a week or so ago, we are at 100 homicides for the third time, I want to say in three years. Looks like Indianapolis could uh, hit another possible, possible, another possible record. Uh, what are your thoughts on how do we get here? Well, certainly I, I'm concerned that the, the numbers are still very high. I was hoping that um, the numbers would be trending a little bit lower than what they are right now. And, and it looks like um, we're going to hit 200 homicides again for the third year in a row and, unless we see some major reductions in, in the level of violence over the next six months. So, uh, you know, it, we're still having a difficult time, I think, as a city, uh, really addressing um, the senseless violence. And, and a lot of it, you know, comes from these interpersonal conflicts that people are having on the streets that sadly is, is leading to a lot of violence that, that is still claiming the lives of, of too many individuals. And, and uh, th that's really a concern I have with the the you know, the larger number of guns that, that I am seeing, um, you know, in my 23 years of doing this kind of work uh, with 10 Point, I'm seeing a lot more people on the streets now with, with guns, and, and we're seeing a lot more people who are even using knives, you know, to settle their beasts, and, and it's just leading to, uh, you know, a lot of deaths, and that that's what is sad, that, that we're at this point. Um, you know, still in 2022, where where our city is seeing, um, you know, these these record breaking numbers. My friend, what is the cause of that? I mean, it's just that people didn't learn didn't, didn't learn conflict resolution like when we were kids. Okay, you you maybe had a fight at 3:15 in the afternoon, but then you dusted yourself off, you fought with your fists, and that was it. Or what's going on? What what's happened to our culture? Well, t to me, Abdul. Uh, you know, we have maybe a couple of generations that really don't have the same kind of moral compass that, you know, my generation and, and older generations have where there really was a line in the sand and you really wouldn't cross that line in the sand. But, but today, there doesn't seem to be any regard for the sanctity of human life. And uh, we see it played out, you know, in, in families, um, you know, on, on the streets. Um, and in public places where uh, when people get into arguments uh, or fights or conflicts, you know, they, they now escalate it to deadly violence. And, and that is certainly something that is, is new to a lot of us who are um, particularly 50 and over. We haven't seen anything like this before. And, and, and this is what's so frightening. How do you get your arms around these cultural trends today 
where violence seems to be glorified in certain subcultures in our society that tends to cause these numbers, particularly in urban cities, to be so high. Our guest on the program today is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harris of the Ten Point Coalition, sort of examining uh, Andy's homicide uh, murder rate issue sort of halfway through the year, with cities seeing at least 100 homicides, which does not bode well uh, for our possible future. Uh, Reverend Harrison, uh, obviously, well, when your folks are out, uh, the, the Ten Point OGs and also the city's peacemakers are also out and about, what, what are you hearing from people? What, what stories are they telling you? Well, well, certainly from from older members of the community, they're certainly concerned um, about the level of violence that they are seeing from younger people. There's just this concern that they have that um, when it comes to the violence that that the younger people tend to be generating the, the, the kind of senseless violence that we're seeing in our community. And you hear a lot of that from uh, individuals in, in the community that, that talk to us when we're out, they're talking about what's going on in their neighborhood, on their block. Uh, you know, they're really afraid to talk to law enforcement about it, but we certainly hear about it. And, and you know, their concerns about the drug trafficking and the number of guns that they're, they're seeing and the shots being fired. And, and the violence that, that tends to happen very quickly. Uh, you know, you hear this from people out on the street, Abdul, when they start talking about what's going on. And then you hear the fear that people have that um, when they are arrested, they don't stay in jail long. And, and that's why a lot of people are scared to come forward and give information because they don't like the violence. They, they, they You know, most of the people that we talk to want to live in peaceful, calm neighborhoods, and they don't like the violence, but many of them have become disheartened that they don't think much can be done about the violence because people who are committing the violence, there doesn't seem to be any accountability. And, um, you know, the young people, they say, just have a disregard for the sanctity of human life. Now, is these, uh, are, are, are we seeing the murders and, and homicides in the, in the usual places, or has or is crime actually started to spread? Because I remember we had this conversation last summer about crime being showing up in places that uh, people weren't used to it. It's everywhere now. It's everywhere. I think uh, areas of the city that we used to consider safe areas are no longer safe areas, and it has spread everywhere, you know, across, uh, you know, Indianapolis. And I think that's one of the reasons why it is so hard um, for us to bring these numbers down, because in the traditional hotspot areas, we certainly have put a lot of resources in those areas to try to drive down the balance uh, in those traditional hotspot areas, but now it's spread everywhere. So, you know, you hear on the news where a shooting or a homicide has taken place in an area that 10 years ago it would have never happened, and certainly 20 years ago it would have never happened, but it's happening now. And, and I think that's why it's, it's so difficult for us to, to wrap our arms around this and get it under control. Are we still seeing the, the classic uh, examples of most crime, the victim and the perpetrator know each other, particularly when it comes to our homicides? Yes, 
Yes, we do. And, and and the people who are either the victims or the, the suspects of these violent crimes certainly are known to law enforcement and, uh, you know, the community groups that are out there trying to address the violence. So we're not surprised uh, normally when we, uh, you know, go to a scene and we hear who the victim, um, you know, was or uh, when you hear people talking about who was involved in the shooting or stabbing. Um, so it, it, it's, it's typically the same people who we call hot people uh, in, in these neighborhoods where we see high levels of violence is it, 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 the same people that um, tend to do it year after year. Our guests on the program today is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harris of the 10-Point Coalition, took at Indy's crime issue this year. We had 100 homicides so far. Uh, the year is just about halfway over. And so what does that bode for our future? Uh, Reverend Harrison, you mentioned that the fact that uh, just a few moments ago, that uh, a lot of the folks who are committing these crimes are, are known to police. They're sort of, sort of called hot people because they've got prior criminal records. What is our court system not doing? What are the police? What could the police do better? And what could what? And how do they think this will uh, hit the prosecutor's race? Well, I think from the police perspective, that they're frustrated um, that the people that they keep arresting are getting right back out on the street. You hear. Um, law enforcement officers talk about the revolving door, particularly of uh, uh, repeat violent felons that are arrested for a violent crime and they're right back out on the street and either they're the suspect or the victim in the next violent crime. And, and I think one of the concerns is, and, and I know there are people uh, who feel like that the judicial system has not been fair and just um, to people of color. Uh, and, and there is some legitimacy to some of the concerns, but I, I think where those of us who are out on the street involved in trying to reduce the level of violence, it is the repeat violent felons that um, we either put them on uh, the GPS monitoring uh, system in their homes, and, and many of them, Abdul, are, are not stopping doing what they was doing prior to getting arrested. Um, a lot of them either cutting those ankle bracelets off or uh, putting aluminum foil or something around them, um, and, and they're out on the street involved in, in some level of criminal activity, and, and they tend to be the suspects and the victims. And, and I think until we address that issue, it's going to be very difficult for INPD or any law enforcement agency or any anti-violence group or, or grassroots organization to bring these numbers down um, below 200 and back down to uh, what we were seeing you know, around 2010, 2009, where we were around, you know, 130 or 40 uh, homicides and, and around 100 murders. So I, I think that's really a big issue uh, in the prosecutor's race is this whole issue of the, the broken judicial system and what do we do with repeat violent offenders. Um, by the way, could you brought up an interesting point because I always jokingly say when it comes to crime and public safety, there, there are two types of people. The people we're mad at versus people we're afraid of. The people we're mad at, we can maybe, you know, maybe do some things with bail, maybe do some things with, with, with corrections, you know, send them home, send them to some type of treatment program versus the people we're afraid of who, who are dangerous, who are clear and present dangers to not only themselves, but people around them and society as well. And so I, I just can't figure out, my friend, what 
what does it take to figure that out? Because to me, it seems pretty simple. If it's somebody that's dangerous, we're afraid of, they need to be behind bars, somebody we're mad at, maybe a different type of alternative, you know, sentencing is in order. Well, I, I know it, it seems clear to me what we ought to do, but but it's controversial in, in um, you know, the city, um, particularly some of the positions I have taken. Uh, and it's not that I want to lock everyone up. Um, I just don't think that there's been any accountability with these individuals. And we keep, uh, whether it's a, 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 you know, a sweetheart plea deal with the prosecutor's office or what's going on in the courts with the judges, and they're being put right back out on the street. And, and there hasn't been uh, particularly any kind of deterrent to keep, um, you know, Junebug from going back out committing the same kind of uh, violent crime or escalating it to something even more serious. And and I really think we have to take a look at that if there are some better alternatives uh, to help Junebug get on the right track without him going back in the, in the community and terrorizing it again, then certainly I'm open to that. But what I'm seeing is uh, he's going right back out in the community and, and committing the same kind of violent crime or something even more serious, or he's the victim uh, of a violent crime. And, and uh, you know, I, I think we gotta we got to really take a look at this and, and, and take the emotions of it out because it is these people who are either being killed or they're killing people uh, in our city. And, and that's why these homicide numbers and non-fatal shootings are so high. Reverend Charles Harrison with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Reverend Harrison, I want to get your thoughts on something that happened uh, last Saturday. Uh, an Indianapolis peacemaker, uh, unfortunately, uh, was shot and killed on North Keystone. Uh, John J.B. Barnett, uh, 45 years old, died last Saturday. The police were dispatched to the city's northeast side on a report of a person shot around uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, what's your thoughts? What's your reaction? Does that sort of underline uh, just how, uh, how dangerous or just how risky you know, being a peacemaker or an old G can be? Well, it is. And, and when I heard about it, uh, certainly I, I was very troubled by it, uh, saddened um, by what happened to JB. Uh, but but what we do, whether it be 10 point or what the city's doing with their peacekeepers and violent interrupters is very dangerous work. And, and, and every time um, those individuals go out on the street, that they, they put their lives at risk. Um, and, and I hope this highlights the danger that these individuals are, are, are willing to go into to try to um, save individuals uh, from this cycle of violence in our city and try to put them on on the pathway of of success. But my my other concern, Abdul, about it is we have to find out who committed this crime because I think. Um, my OGs and, and, and other groups that, that have people walking the streets, we don't want the message to be sent that you can kill, um, you know, a peacekeeper or OG or these individuals that are part of these patrol teams and, and get away with that. Um, because, um, you know, it, it for some people, they're concerned about um, going back out on the streets and whether or not, um, you know, uh, they're in danger of, of something like that happening to them. So I think as a city, we certainly have to respond to this and make sure whoever was responsible for this um, is is arrested and brought to justice. Reverend Charles Harrison with us for a few more minutes on the program today. So Reverend Harrison, let me ask you, old friend, uh, what should the city be doing this year that maybe has been done 
uh, last year because I'll occasionally go through my, my Facebook memories feed and I'll see a, a news conference from a year ago. You know, Mayor Hogsett unveils you know anti crime plan. Also saw something went back. Mayor Ballard unveils you know summer anti crime plan. It seems like we're always unveiling you know plans and ideas, but the situation just doesn't seem to get better. Well, well, it does, and 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 you know, Abdul, what I've been saying, and and I continue to say this, is that I, I think the city has to partner more with the neighborhood, and it has to be a neighborhood-driven approach to addressing the violence. And we can't just wait till the summertime to come out with these summer plans to try to, you know, reduce the level of violence that we see during the warmer weather. If you really look at the the statistics, um, the last few years from June until December has been the highest level of violence that, that we see even from really from January to June, really probably from about July to the end of the year. And and until we involve more grassroots organizations and neighborhood associations where they are taking a leading role in helping um, to address both root causes of the violence and um, strategies to reduce the violence, I, I think we're going to be struggling with this, you know, year after year and trying to get our hands around, you know, this um, surging violence that this city is seeing. And it's interesting you bring that up, my friend, because I used you and I used to jokingly say that it was it was just a, a a a a a problem in certain neighborhoods. People were like, well, that's unfortunate, but you know it is what it is. Now that it started to spread to a little bit more, a little bit more wealthy, affluent neighborhoods, now it's a problem. Well, it is, and, and I was out last night in one of those neighborhoods uh, where it has forced residents. Uh, in a neighborhood that traditionally has n- never seen this kind of violence to now respond to it. And, and, and I think it's forcing people all over the city now to have a much broader conversation as to what we need to do as residents of Indianapolis to really address um, this senseless violence that's just claiming the lives of, of too many uh, residents from Indianapolis. So, my friend, final question for you: What what is Ten Points' plan for the summer to, to help try to help mitigate our criminal homicide problem? Well, what we're trying to do, Abdul, is work certainly with more neighborhoods. And, and though we don't have the resources um, to put OGs in all the neighborhoods um, throughout the city where we're having a problem, what we can do is train. Uh, more neighborhood to do their own patrolling or public safety walks. And that has been uh, a great uh, focus on our part to work with more groups um, so that they can begin policing their own neighborhoods and getting more people involved so that we can try to drive down um, the level of violence that they are seeing in their own particular neighborhood. All right. Well, like I said, we covered a lot of ground today on the program today. Our good friend, Reverend Charles Harris, the 10-point coalition on Indianapolis's murder crime issue, 100 homicides so far this year. The year's still not halfway over yet. Reverend Harrison, old friend, as always, thank you very much, old friend, for talking, and please be safe out there. Well, thank you, Abdul. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.